stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Feels like we're at a crossroads, doesn't it, folks, when it comes to Alberta's energy sector, the oil and gas industry. Now, it's interesting timing because today, kicking off in Calgary, it is the 50th annual Global Petroleum Show. And while it's not what it was in recent years, at least in, in the past couple of years, it seems as though there, there's a bit of an uptick in, in optimism at least in terms of what they're seeing for registration numbers, interest in the show, uh, that is all up. And maybe that's indicative of signs of optimism uh, amid a whole bunch of uncertainty. One of the biggest uh, factors, of course, driving that uncertainty is pipeline infrastructure. And are we going to be able to get pipelines built? And with that, of course, comes the bigger question, too, of, you know, what kind of a jurisdiction are we when it comes to attracting investment? In terms of the short term, in terms of the long term, what is it that the industry in this country is facing? Really interesting new report out today from the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers finds that Canada's oil production is expected to increase by 1.4 million barrels a day by 2035, in fact. But that's despite an ongoing competitiveness gap that continues to discourage investment. So the good news is we're still going to see growth. But obviously the bad news is that we don't seem to have a plan to address that competitiveness gap, and that's going to hurt us in the long run. Joining us to talk more about uh, this latest report and forecast, very pleased to welcome to the program Tim McMillan, President and CEO of the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers. Tim, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Good afternoon. Uh, I mean, is it your sense that, that despite all the uncertainty around the Trans Mountain Pipeline and concern about investment, that there's, there's a bit more optimism these days? Yeah, I think that uh, having Trans Mountain get the the ownership structure to move forward um, amidst all the uncertainty is a positive. Um, the numbers that we brought out uh, this morning are a slight bump over what they were last year. So we can take that as, uh, I think, a little bit of encouragement. Unfortunately, they are a substantial decline from where we were just a few years ago in 2014. By about how much? Uh, in 2014, we only went out to 2030, but we were about a million barrels a day more production five years shorter just uh, just a few years ago. All right. So what's what's allowing for production to increase, and and then conversely, I mean, what's what's constraining it from being what what it otherwise could be? A few things that are driving it. Um, one is. Over the last couple of decades, we had large investments in capital projects, some of which have just come on and some are yet to come on. Unfortunately, we're not seeing new projects going into that pipeline that uh, get invested in today to come on in the future. But we are seeing some incremental growth of existing brownfield uh, projects. One highlight is on condensate and pentanes that um, Montney and Duvernay plays are looking to be very prospective, and our members are are unlocking those resources in a way that's going to add substantial volumes in the mid-2020s. I mean, we, we don't know what's going to happen with the Trans Mountain Pipeline, obviously, and I mean, there's, there's question marks around uh, other future projects like it. If we're going to see increase in production, in particular production in the oil sands, how are we going to move that product? Well, um, our members all have different scenarios on how they move their proje- product, uh, some by rail, uh, some by pipeline, or by multiple pipelines and by rail. Um, 
I think that uh, we feel quite confident that Kinder Morgan, under its current uh, structure, is going to get built here in a uh, started construction this summer and ultimately concluded in a reasonably short timeline. We also think that uh, Keystone XL is well positioned and uh, Line 3. But beyond that, we aspire to getting back to investment numbers like we had in 2014 uh, with volumes that will require additional capacity. And uh, for that to happen, we have to get both the infrastructure and also some of the regulatory burden and inefficiency that uniquely uh, is Canada's today. You mentioned those three pipelines, and, and if we can get all three built, does, does that address our capacity needs through 2035? If this modest scenario uh, is what we ultimately have to live with, uh, those three pipelines will all be required and uh, would largely have the volumes needed uh, for this uh, outlook. We are going to continue to challenge governments to clean up some of those regulatory inefficiencies. Let's aspire to a more robust energy sector than what we have had to live with over the last couple of years. Well, how do we do that? Well, if we look at Canada versus the world, global energy product, or demand is going up dramatically. Investment has flooded back into global energy uh, production. It just isn't coming back in Canada. The U.S. is up 38% this year in capital investment. Canada had another year of decline. So we have problems here that we need to address. And if we fail to do that, I think we can only expect a modest uh, scenario like what we put forward today. Well, there, there are some for whom, I mean, even a modest scenario is, is too much, who, who fear growth in, in oil production in, in Canada or suggest that having a vibrant sector is, is at odds with, with Paris targets or the objective of, of addressing emissions. What's your position on, on whether these things are at odds? You know, very clearly, global demand is increasing, uh, largely in China and India and developing nations. If Canada isn't stepping into that uh, void and being the supplier of choice, those barrels are increasingly coming from Nigeria and Venezuela and Saudi Arabia. Um, So it isn't about whether we produce energy and provide better lives for people in those countries or not. It's whether Canada is the supplier of choice. And Canada's environmental performance stands alone as the gold standard in the energy-producing world. Indeed. Um, well, even if, if, if we can allow production to increase, does, does that then, do you think, displace oil from, from these other countries? Yes. Um, the investment today that isn't coming to Canada... The energy uh, engineers that aren't working in Calgary are developing projects in other places. And uh, global demand is expected to continue to grow. Canada can take a bigger chunk of that investment and ultimately production, but it is going to take effort. Now, investments obviously linked to to return, and that that speaks to price. We are we obviously aren't back to where we were a few years ago. Although, at least in in recent weeks, we we have seen a, a bit of a surge in the price of of oil. How much is is price linked to to investment, and what are we expecting in in the short term? You know, the investments that we make in Canada are often longer term. That an oil sands project is going to be forty or sixty year lives. So the day to day price of oil. It certainly has an effect, Mm -hmm. but uh, even at uh, the high 60s or low 70s, globally, we are seeing capital coming back in. Um, And 
we should be in at those price ranges attracting a lot more than we are here in Canada. But with all of the policy changes, uh, duplication in our regulatory system, climate policies that no one else uh, in the energy producing world are implementing, all of those are having a very negative effect on global investors. And they're choosing to put their money in other jurisdictions. So we need to to give some clarity to the global investor and to Canadian investors so that um, we can continue to uh, to grow out our businesses. Well, and this is an important point because, you know, look, if we can get the, the Trans Mountain Pipeline built and, and if the price of oil can, can stabilize, those are two factors that, that might allow for more investment. At least the certainty with getting projects built would help. But just those two things are not enough. So you're saying that, that there are other matters on the policy side that, that we need to address. So what specific steps do we need to take? Well, you know, I, I think we can get very specific around uh, specific policies. Uh, we brought out a report two weeks ago, or uh, last week, about uh, the climate impacts of climate policy on Canada's competitive position. And uh, we are getting out of step with other jurisdictions. Canada's going it alone. And I think that we can look at it very specifically, or we can look at it in a broader sense. Newfoundland, I highlighted uh, in a speech today, is a province that said, our goal is to grow our investment and our production. And they put forward a very strong vision of how they get there and the work they're willing to do. I think that governments putting forward that type of vision would also help to drive investment and to inform those policies that today are getting out of line. Okay, but with regard to carbon pricing, I mean, is, is that something that you're suggesting we need to, to steer away from? Or, or do we need to look at, at how those policies are designed as opposed to the, the basic concept? You know, any jurisdiction that has implemented uh, a meaningful carbon policy has looked at how it would be implemented and what effects it would have locally and globally. In Europe, they didn't want to implement a price on carbon that was just going to export manufacturing jobs and manufacturing factories to jurisdictions with poor performance, only to import those products back to Germany and France. We haven't done that work here. And we've put forward policies that are today driving investment to other jurisdictions that have poor environmental performance in Canada, and in many cases, importing that oil back into Canada uh, to, to utilize here ultimately losing jobs, losing investment, and having worse global outcomes. What about the issue of corporate taxation, something that affects uh, all kinds of industries, not just just oil and gas? Canada had enjoyed a a competitive advantage in that realm, but one that's been eroded uh, given developments on tax reform south of the border. I mean, is is that something else that, that we need to look at as a country? Yeah, absolutely. Um, both on corporate tax rates. In Canada, we've seen corporate tax rates increase. Um, in Alberta, we've seen them increase federally. And our largest competitor for capital has just made a very meaningful decrease and positioned themselves to be more competitive. Additional to that is on capital invested. Maybe the most important part about developing an economy, they have given uh, write-offs of capital investment in the first year where Canada has a long um, a long uh, amortization schedule. All of those things matter when it's uh, global investments and large investments we're looking for. 
Right, well, people can read the forecast for themselves. More details at cap.ca, C-A-P-P. Tim, thank you so much for joining us here today. I appreciate this. Thanks. Have a good day. Take care. Tim McMillan is president and CEO of the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers. So, again, I mean, if you want the silver lining of this report, oil production is going to continue to increase. Even with the uncertainty around major projects, even with concern about levels of investment, we're still going to see an increase in production. And as Tim McMillan points out, and and it's important to keep reminding people of this, global demand is going to continue to increase. So all the the voices out there that say we don't need the Trans Mountain Pipeline, there's not a case for the Trans Mountain Pipeline, that the world's moving away from, from oil, it's all BS. Again, so if it's not Canada filling that void, it's somebody else producing oil. It's not a case of if Canada's not filling that void with oil, uh, that the rest of the world's going to jump on the green bandwagon. That somehow we're an obstacle to everybody, you know, driving electric cars everywhere around the world. That's just not the reality. So global demand is going to increase. And it would be much better, I think, if there were more Canadian oil to help fill that demand. So we are going to see an increase in production, probably either way. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of reasons that we, why, why we want to address these competitive issues. Let's get pipelines built and show that we can get pipelines built. That would go a long way. And he also detailed uh, other areas where, you know, we need to be concerned about our competitiveness. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.